0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: Rapaport to the Rescue with award-winning animal advocate Jill Rappaport.
0: Hi, welcome to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport and we will be talking about horses the well-being of them, the people who care for them, train them, love them, and protect them. Today, I am so honored to have two of the most special people in the equine world. In fact, I featured stories on both of these amazing folks in my book, People We Know Horses They Love. They are true animal welfare advocates for our equines. My first guest is Buck Brannaman. Now, if you know that name, and how can you not, the movie, the documentary, The Horse Whisperer was based on Buck and his training techniques and how he literally takes horses that I believe, and I wanna make sure I get this right, he said that people have horse problems. Well, he said it's horses that have people problems, and we'll talk to him about that. But he has trained, retrained amazing horses to make them calm, sweet, and everybody's best friend, and he's truly amazing, his techniques, what he does, and if you saw the movie The Horse Whisperer, starring Robert Redford, you know that that is a true art, and there is only one horse whisperer, and it's our guest today, Buck Branneman and then we will also be joined by Netta DeMaio. This woman is incredible. She is responsible for the 501c3 Return to Freedom an amazing organization that protects our wild horses, mustangs, burrows, makes sure they're fed and literally saved from all of these scary, frightening things that are going on in the world right now. Ned is an amazing woman. In fact, Robert Redford is on her board. These two people have done everything in their lives to protect horses. And I'm a true fan and I'm in awe of both of them. So when we come back,
2: Let's talk pets.
0: Let's talk pets
2: on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio.
0: PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Rappaport to the Rescue. Two of my favorite people. How they ended up in the same place, I can't even believe it but I am sitting here looking at, and I'm so jealous for all of you listeners out there. I'm looking at Buck Braneman, the King, the Horse Whisperer, and Netta DeMaio from Return to Freedom. What the heck? How did you guys end up together in Montana at this conference?
2: Well, Mr. Kriegel contacted me, oh, a few months ago and asked me if I would come to this conference. And, and honestly, if it hadn't been for the fact that he contacted me personally. I'd said, yeah, you know, I'm busy. I can't really do it. Because you know, most, most of the time I say no to that kind of stuff. But
0: Well, tell us what kind of conference it is for our listeners. You know, you are two of the greatest horse people. You protect them. You train them. Both of you are just involved with such incredible work for equines. Why are you both there?
2: Well, it's really all about promoting this new revolution in horsemanship that is you know really taken hold the last really 40 50 years but it seems to be gaining momentum and and it's a conference to for everybody to put their heads together and figure out how we can grow this style of horsemanship that you know obviously is very fitting to the horse And I always say if the horse got to make up the rules how you'd work with him it'd probably be pretty similar to what we're doing
0: well buck I was fortunate enough to get to know you many years ago we had an event at my ranch Uh, I actually had just brought in a horse I was trying out and I was going to decide if I was going to keep him, make him another family member. And you took me aside and you said, "Uh uh-uh, that gelding is not for you. You really have the magic touch when it comes to not only training, but to also matching up the horse and the rider for safety and for companionship, because let's be honest, if it doesn't work, it's not only horrible for the person, it's really sad for the animal. I want to talk to you about that. So you are the quintessential trainer. You are the horse whisperer, the documentary, the movie starring Robert Redford. It's all based on you and your techniques. Tell us about what you do for these animals.
2: Well, you know, I was talking about it this morning in a lecture that I did that a lot of people are trying to do the best they can to rescue horses. And, and it dawned on me when I was thinking about it, when I was thinking about my teachers, most people don't really understand how many horses they rescued because of all the people that they changed in how they work with horses. So that Mm -hmm. means that rather than just one person save a horse or two from a bad situation, that their influence and then their influence on other people and the way they work with horses saves thousands. So true. So it's really, it's a little different angle to looking at the, the rescue situation, but certainly has a giant ripple effect that's really positive throughout the horse world.
0: Well, Buck, you've never changed your style, your demeanor. I mean, you are a true diehard cowboy down to earth. Don't like the fuss, the muss. And when you came to my house, I just couldn't believe that you are exactly what we've read about you, what we've seen on screen and Robert Redford portrayed you in the movie *The Horse Whisperer*, and we talked about this at the time. You were kind of like, "Yeah, it's okay," but it really didn't phase you what it was to make a movie basically based on your life.
2: Yeah, I had fun doing it. I, you know, Redford asked me if I was really enjoying it when we were working together that summer, and, and I said, "Yeah, really, I am." If you figure that, not too far away from here, I grew up as a foster kid and. You know, couldn't afford to steam off a hot lunch in those days. Um, and then flash forward a couple of decades, and then and I'm doing a $150 million movie with Redford. And, you know, there was actually people that cared about what I had to say and what I was about, which was quite a change. There was a time in my life where I was sitting on the steps of the courthouse here in Madison County, and nobody even cared if I was alive.
0: And we're talking Madison County, Montana? Is that what yeah. we're talking?
2: Yeah. There was no one stepping up to claim me. <laughs> you know, I and, needed a rescue.
0: Oh, and what's amazing, though, because I interviewed Robert Redford about this movie, and you know, you were the focal point in my book, as well as Bob. I like to call him Bob. Was featured on the cover of my book. He really respected and adhered to your advice for this
2: film. He did, yeah, he did, and it was so. It was it was kind of neat that this style of horsemanship was kind of brought to the world on such a huge scale. But I was never delusional about my role in it because like every movie, no matter how good, they always end up in the bargain bin at Walmart. So I I wanted to survive long after that. And the best way to survive is to stay myself, stay authentic and and, uh, not believe all the press. Right
1: on.
0: Well, and then you did the documentary, well, I should say they did a documentary about you, which was unbelievable following, you know, your life and going to these clinics with you. And I learned so much about horsemanship and the connection of the person with the horse. And there's one saying, and I try to remember it for the top of the show here, but what's your saying that I love so much that people come to you with horse problems, but you tell them that you treat horses with people problems. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's more or less it. They think their horse has the problem and it's actually the horse has a people problem. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. that's right. You deal with all sorts of people and all levels of society. You've never changed who you are. And it's only about the welfare of that horse. You really want to make sure that it's the best match. And
2: really you put the horse first. I do. I do. But at the same rate, Jill, to do what I do for a living, you do have to love people too.
0: Sometimes you got to remind yourself of that, right, Buck?
2: Oh, no, because I really and truly, I know everybody's doing the best they can, you know, with what they have to work with, so...
0: And you haven't changed a bit, and you're sitting next to a woman who is also so revered in the equine world for the work that you have done, Netta, return to freedom, saving the wild mustangs, the burros, these <laughs> animals, making sure they're fed, they're safe, of constantly fighting for proper legislation. a 501c3, talk to me about your organization, because what you've done, and Robert Redford, as I mentioned in the intro, is on your board. You've had incredible struggles, especially during these COVID years, haven't
1: you? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for you know including me in your show. This is great. And it was really a pleasure to see Buck. A lot of the horses that we've had at the sanctuary have ended up in the hands of wonderful people who are actually students of Buck. And so that's how I know Buck. And I ran into him here and I was really excited about it. And I'm here because of Steve Latham's film. It's a documentary called uh, Mustangs, America's Wild Horses. And what I like about the film is I was on the panel. So what I I like about the film is that he addressed the issue, which is a very complex issue full of emotion. And it's very controversial. There's a lot of conflict over the use of our public lands and the resources there, et cetera. And it's uh, unfortunately for the horses, I think, And for most advocacy in general, it ends up being driven by emotion. And right now, the horses, the wild horses in America, all horses, all large mammals, really everywhere, if you think about it, they don't need that. What they need is our leadership and they need solutions. And to do that, we do need to work together. And that means people that don't agree necessarily finding that common ground and working towards solutions that are viable on different levels. And for the wild horse, it's looking for ways that we can protect them on the range, but also off the range when they come off. Because when that wild horse comes off the range and they get into the system of the adoption programs, et cetera, they're not going back out there. So that's when you start to need to have enlightened horsemanship and you need to have people that really do love the connection with the horse and and are into building that relationship because we are all social mammals and we thrive on connection and we need that. Like the work with what Buck was saying is just, you know, it was a wonderful way to put it. And just the more people that have the skill set and the heart, it's a heart condition, you know, really all this is a heart condition and we definitely have it in different ways. And without those components, you know, nothing gets done, but when you have all those components and the right skills are taught to you, you can go forward and the ripple effect is huge change happens in and you shift consciousness in this way, sometimes it seems like nothing's changing. And then all of a sudden, you slowly see the changes is actually happening.
0: We're hearing from Netta DeMaio from Return to Freedom, a 501c3. And Lord knows this organization is hurting now because of what's gone on in our world. And Netta, we talked about this this summer. Tell us about the cost. What are your yearly costs (laughs) to manage and to take care of these animals? And let's be honest, the horses that you're protecting are the animals that this country was founded on.
1: Right. So Return to Freedom also operates a sanctuary. And we provide refuge basically for anywhere between 450 and 500 animals consistently over the last 25 years. And you know, we were the fourth project in the world to use fertility control because I wanted to explore. I thought, okay, you have a sanctuary right? But what are you really doing? You're just saving the horses you save. But so we, it was important to have an educational component and an experiential component. So we do a lot of herd immersive experiences and we do a lot of leadership development and people from the public, all ages, legislators, whoever, so that they could come out and have their own experience of what a herd is. is. Horses live in herds. And how they suffer in different ways by the ways that we we manage them and whether they're domestic or wild. So trying to help people have their own aha moments and to adapt different ways to manage their own horses in their lives, et cetera. But it's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to manage this business. Right. So though we have a lobbyist in D.C. and we're working on things like ending horse slaughter and finding solutions for wild horse policies that aren't working, we also have the sanctuary to run. And this is expensive. And now with hay costs rising by 41% 41 this year it's unsustainable. It's really unsustainable. So we're really relaunching a capital campaign to raise enough funds to, we're looking at a different property. We want to get to an area where it's more sustainable, where we can grow our own hay and have, you know, also share that with other nonprofits uh, that are experiencing hardship. So we can have, you know, make some hay available, but also where we can be more sustainable and independent from what's happening in the world. The wildfires, gas, Prices. It's daunting. It's just
0: daunting yeah. to hear about what you have to do on any given day, week or year and how much you yeah. have to raise to keep these animals alive. And it's you and your organization. When I hang up the phone from you, I'm literally hyperventilating just from talking to you. And people Uh-oh. need to really, <laughs> no, Don't but do because that. I worry, I worry, you know, we're all animal lovers and people really need to step up to the plate. And it's amazing to me that if everybody would just give a little. You know, I always say if you can donate even a dollar, you know, everybody give a dollar or donate their time or whatever, we'd make such a difference for these animals in need. And Buck, what you have done, giving back, you take animals that basically have been discarded, that many people have just chalked off and could end up in slaughter or put to sleep because people think they're too dangerous or they're just not suitable for anything. And you've turned their lives around, haven't you? Oh,
2: yeah last 40 years. Yep. Now yeah, this year it's 40 years since my first clinic. <laughs>
0: And what your clinic is, and oh, if you're lucky enough to go to a Buck Brandeman clinic and I have all his tapes and videos and I studied them over the years, he it's an amazing experience to be in a clinic with this man because he literally teaches you how to get in touch with your horse and how to feel and understand the horse's emotions and how the horse can learn to understand you. And it's a magical, unbelievable process. Even though there are other people that claim to be semi-horse whispers, you are the original. You're the true blue and original horse whisperer. You have to admit that, right, Buck?
2: Well, you know me, Jill. It's not like I go around. Tooting your horn. Calling <laughs> Well, I'll toot <laughs> it for
0: you. You are the original. This yeah. is
1: the OG. You heard it here,
2: man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Buck, without, you know, and again, you're such a modest guy. I'm looking at you now with your cowboy hat. And, you know, <laughs> you're just very laid back. You never like to blow your own horn. That's what makes you so special and why I adore you so much. But let's blow that horn a little bit because you really have changed the lives of so many people and animals through these clinics. Talk to me a little bit about what you do.
2: Well, you know, way back when I was pretty young, when I was a foster kid, I was always drawn to horses, always around them. And when I went to live with my foster parents originally, I didn't speak to anybody for probably four months. Didn't say a word to anyone because at the time I felt like if I didn't communicate with anybody, then it didn't really bring me any trouble. Nobody bothered me. <laughs> they all just left me alone. So I wasn't unhappy not speaking for four months. It, I was <laughs> fine with it. That would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but my refuge was the horses. My foster parents had horses and, and I worked with them. You know, as little as I knew, I did all I could. And They were kind of my safe place to go. And I guess I've uh, spent the rest of my life trying to pay them back for what they did for me
0: and they really
2: did give you a life, didn't they? Oh, indeed. Yeah. Anything that's come of my life that was good, the horse had something to do with
1: it. Right on. That's so beautiful.
0: And you used to travel, when I saw you the last time, you used to travel with one horse in particular that was kind of like your guide horse. Is he still alive? I'm almost afraid to ask. He is.
2: No, he is. He's retired now, just in belly deep grass and having the time of his life. And I, of course, have a trailer load of new ones that I'm hauling. The day after tomorrow, I'm driving to West Virginia with them.
0: Well, what's amazing about you, and if people who remember the movie, this horse had been damaged due to the one with Robert Redford. It was Scarlett Johansson's debut. I mean, that was her first film. And she had a terrible accident. She and her girlfriend were out riding at four in the morning in a snowstorm. A truck hits them. I couldn't even watch what happened to those kids and those horses. But needless to say, the horse was completely traumatized and was deadly dangerous for her until they connect with the horse whisperer. They drive out West and meet Robert Redford. And at first he's thinking, this is crazy. This horse is just too dang dangerous. Have you ever come across a situation, Buck, where you just had to say, can't do anything for this one? No. Never.
2: You know, there's been so many over the years that I I used to try to find the horse that maybe this just wouldn't do him any good. And I've been looking my whole life and (laughs) I've never seen a horse that couldn't get better. You know, and I've seen horse-human combinations that maybe wasn't going to work because the human didn't have enough to offer. But it doesn't mean the horse couldn't get better with someone else, Hmm. you know. So I guess I just don't believe in lost causes.
0: It's a great way to be. And what's amazing is you are doing your part to be such an incredible animal advocate, because this is a form of rescue and adoption, because so many of these animals would be discarded if it wasn't for Buck Brenneman.
2: Yeah, as I was saying in the lecture I gave this morning, it's not just Mustangs that concern me. You know, there are a lot of domestic horses that wash out on the racetrack or the show world or don't work out because of the human's incompetence and they ruin him and they turn him into something that nobody wants. Well, they also go to the slaughterhouse, so I don't segregate it to just one particular type of horse. I'm concerned about all of them.
0: That is so great. And now, you know, you took a little break. I know COVID, a lot of things went on and you were off the road for a while. Now you're doing these wonderful events again and these wonderful seminars where you can actually teach people how to get along with their horse and how to make them the perfect match for you and make you the perfect match for them. Is it great to be back on the road doing the clinics again?
2: You know, it is. And I have to say, I missed it so much, you know, just because of all the people that, that I just have gotten to know over the decades. Gosh, I missed them. And I felt like when I just had no clinics to do, I just didn't even feel like I belonged anymore, you know. But it did start one thing that might end up really positive, And that is, I had this idea that, well, what if, a public event like my clinics. What if that's a thing of the past? What if you can't do that anymore? Then what? And I thought of all the thousands of people that have been with me all through the years. So I started something and you're going to be shocked because I've always been like a dinosaur when it comes to technology. Right? Right. And, uh, I started a deal called the Buck Channel and what it is, it's eventually going to be a library of hundreds of five to 10 minute videos that are real specific for certain things that people are having trouble with, with their horses to where someday when I'm not able to do clinics or not around that I'll leave something behind. So at least it won't be like I was never here.
0: That's incredible. You know, Buck, you and I discussed doing a show together right when we first did the book. When I came out with my book, People We Know Horses They Love, and featured you and then saw the documentary and the movie, I said, I got to work with this guy. And I wanted to do a show about you and like an ongoing series, you know, which was Mm -hmm. basically your documentary, but this would be a 13 week series. This is great because they can have those wonderful morsels of training techniques that will live on forever. The learning channel for your equine, right? Yeah. Where can we see this?
2: You can just uh, Google the buckchannel.com.
0: So you do it on your own. Isn't it great? New technology. You don't need to go to a network con show, right? You can do it yourself. Yeah, exactly.
2: And when you and I first met, even that technology wasn't there then. In terms right. of being able to deliver videos and have you be able to actually see it on your phone, <laughs> put it back in your pocket and go back to riding your horse. You know?
0: you know, Buck, we should share something. We were also both very frustrated with the bureaucracy of the business. And we yeah. both talked about this at length because there was a, a couple year period in your life where... Everybody was coming at you for deals and offers and everybody wanted a piece of Buck Branham and you felt a little overwhelmed and a little taken advantage of, which we've all felt at times. Now you're the master of your own domain.
2: Yeah. And it's really relatively simple. Now I, I uh, shoot the videos and we put them on the website and one day, maybe there'll be a thousand videos on there. Mm. So yeah, I'm going to be able to leave something behind when I'm not able to do it anymore and I wish my teachers had been able to do that, but there wasn't that technology then. So, yeah, I know you're shocked to hear that I'm finally embracing <laughs> technology. <but. laughs>
0: I want to know what your wife and your beautiful daughter, Rihanna, say about this. I love well, it. I
2: can't believe it. I, I think Rihanna still thinks I'm a dinosaur, I'm just a <laughs> reluctant dinosaur.
0: Oh, well, and Netta, I want you to tell our audience how people can reach out and help you with your efforts for these amazing animals. Thank you. Yeah, they can visit
1: returntofreedom.org. And they can follow us and like share and follow on social media. Our handle is at return to freedom. And there are so many ways to be involved. And as you said, a lot of people giving a little really helps even $25 a month, which is less than a dollar a day does so much become a recurring donor that helps a lot, especially to make up the difference with these current hay cost challenges. And
0: you have Redford on your board. You have a very impressive board. Are they giving you the support you
1: need? What keeps you going? Well, you know, it's a lot of people doing a little and doing what they can. And then some people giving a lot. And we have a small but mighty team. I'm not alone and everybody loves what they do. And the daily care of the animals at the sanctuary is, it's a never ending job, but we love it. And one of the things that I'm really excited about right now is transforming the way that we manage the land by implementing holistic grazing management methods that we're learning about from Roger Savory. And I'm watching the results of it on some of my friends' ranches and it's mind blowing really. And I look at these things as This is the way that we need to be looking at the problems we're facing in these drier areas, especially in the West. And it's not the animal's fault. You know, they're actually part of the solution if you just change the way we're managing them. So I'm looking forward to sharing more of that as we grow and looking at the improvement on our sanctuary through those methods. And we also have a conservation effort. I just want to, want to mention this. For some rare strains, we have 100% pure and strained Choctaw ponies. And we have some very 100% pure and strained Spanish Mustangs. And a lot of these horses can be adopted. That's what people want
0: to know, because even at the Hampton Classic, when I did Adoption Day, and you had a representative there from Return to Freedom.
1: one of my board members.
0: Right. Everybody says, oh, that's such a beautiful horse. But when we ever ask about one of them, we never can adopt them. These horses you can adopt.
1: Yeah. And, you know, they're just saying it's not a breed. It's, uh, you know, depends on where they were captured. And that history of the horses there would represent what strains, what breeds and bloodlines are in them. They've just adapted to their rough habitats and they've returned to a natural state over the years. And they're a free wild horse.
0: But could I ride a wild Mustang? I mean, I was... Always-
1: well, once they're gentle, yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 actually, mustangs, I, I figured
0: but- it out. I figured out the solution here. First, I got to get Buck. Buck will help me in the horse. You know, yeah. after we yeah. come to you and find the horse, then we get Buck to train it, right? Yeah, Buck can pick a few horses.
1: You know, it really the conversation has to change to what is wild. You know what I'm saying? And for me, a lot of it is when you, when you speak horse and when you understand, you know, it's a different way. It comes through your body and the horse breeds you from a mile away. And I enjoy working with horses that understand jungle law. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I really enjoy it. It's such a pleasure. And the whole relationship in the journey itself is, is just what I love. You know, I love that. So, and different, what we call Mustangs from different herds. They have different characteristics, obviously different phenotypes and whatnot, but some of them have a different mindset. And there's some that are easier to work with in the sense of getting to a place where you're going to ride them than others. Our common ground, Buck and I, is that I don't believe in lost causes either. So I think that's where we fight our- <laughs> for. And you know, they say
0: if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, and both of you right. truly love <laughs> what you do. And Buck, it's amazing to me because being the focal point of a major Hollywood film, a documentary, author of a best-selling book, and yet you have never changed—the low-key, down-to-earth cowboy that you always have been. What do you attribute that to? Nothing has changed you along the way.
2: I don't know. I guess I just don't believe my own press. <laughs> Any validation that I feel like I need to feel okay about Buck comes from the horse. I always appreciate when people say nice things for maybe what I've spent my life doing. I appreciate it. and I, I want people to like me as much as the next person, but the validation I get comes from my horse and or the horses I work with, and I'm very content with that.
0: Have you kept in touch with
2: Robert Redford? It's been a little while, but when I was at Sundance for the documentary, I wasn't going to bother him or anything, but he looked me up and uh, and took me to dinner one night, and we had a nice visit, and yeah, he's a good guy.
0: I have to say, there's nobody like him. I just, on August 18th, I just reached out and sent his assistant, because I'm not sharing thoughts out of school here, but he doesn't use the internet. He writes personal letters, which I happen to love. And I just reached out to his assistant and said, please tell Bob, I wish him, you know, a wonderful, happy birthday. Would you believe a couple of days later, I got the most beautiful personal letter on Robert Redford stationery. <laughs> I mean, what a class act, right? Yeah, love
2: him. a very thoughtful, thoughtful man. I don't get to see him too often, but I I certainly look at him as a friend.
0: And to have a movie starring one of our greatest talents of all time based on your life, does it get any better than that?
2: No, I guess uh, as far as the movie business goes... They always say, you know, the only job you can start at the top is digging post holes. (laughs) But actually, the movie business, I kind of started at the top. That was where a lot of people would (laughs) would maybe try to wrap their career up as well. I did a big movie with Bob Redford, and that's where I started. And of course, then it's not my interest to make my life working in movies. But I thought to myself, all the starving actors and writers and and producers, I thought, what's so hard about this?
0: Have they reached out to you for other shows? Because I would think you would be a natural for Yellowstone. Kevin Costner should be calling on you. You know,
2: they haven't yet, but there was a couple of people asked me, they said, Would you be interested in, you know, doing some kind of a guest thing on Yellowstone? And I said, Yeah, heck yeah. Why not? Awesome. You know, that'd be great. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see.
0: He's a natural horseman, too. He's a great rider.
2: Yeah, so far the phone's not ringing, but that's okay. (laughs) But you
0: know what? You're not sitting and waiting either.
2: No, but someday, you and I've talked about it in years past. Someday I am gonna get a feature film done on the faraway horses. I still think it's a story worth telling. Yeah. And and because it's a positive story that can be really encouraging to people that are at a maybe a very dark place in their life. I will get it done if I live long enough, Jill.
0: Well, Faraway Horses was your book based on yeah. your life that you wrote that was so beautifully executed. And I totally agree with you. I can't believe it's not a film now, you know, maybe they thought it was too close to the horse whisper and they wanted to give enough time in between, but I want to work with you on that. Let's get that made. I'd
2: sure like to get it done. Maybe the time is better to do it because you know, they've done enough cartoons in the movies for the last few years, you know, all the superhero stuff and, and I enjoy watching them, but, I sure do like a, a well-told story.
0: Who would you like to play you in this one?
2: You know, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure yet, but uh, I've thought about some people. I know who would play my dad in it, which is a fairly, obviously, a pretty sinister character, but complicated.
0: Who would that be?
2: Chris Cooper would, oh. would be the dad.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's Because we've he's-
2: seen him be funny and, and serious and diabolical and terrifying. And he'd have to be all of that in the same character. Chris Cooper, he would be my first pick.
0: And he was great in Seabiscuit. He's a great horseman, too. Natural with the horse. And he was
2: fun in The Horse Whisperer. I really enjoyed him. We spent the whole summer together. Right. So someday, if we ever get a chance, if ever get the dough put together to do that movie, I'm probably going to say, hey, Chris. You remember that summer years ago that I kept you alive on a horse all summer long? (laughs) I'm calling it in.
0: Calling your shit in. (laughs) I love it. Well, this has been such a pleasure for me. You are two of my favorite people in the whole world. I go through my book often and I say, these are two people that I want to keep in touch with for the rest of my life. I'm so honored to know you, to have worked with you and have you featured in my book. What you both do is God's work. And thank you so much today for being on Rappaport to the Rescue. The fact that we caught up with you at this conference in Montana and the fact that you both ended up being there together, what are the chances? But thank you so much. Continued amazing work. I love you both.
2: Thank you, Jill. Jill, I have to tell you this, even if it's not politically correct, your enthusiasm Mm -hmm. that you always have every time I'm around you makes you even more beautiful than you actually are.
0: Not politically correct. I'm going to play that over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
1: You are such a pleasure to talk with, and, and I look forward to doing more with you. Thank you, Jill
0: okay and again please support these two people their efforts you can find buck now on his own channel which is amazing and return to freedom you've got to give back to make a difference for these horses in need and buck is saving them every day with his talent and his ability to see through what the animal is feeling and connect them with the person so bless you both and we hope you enjoy this fascinating segment and show on Rappaport to the rescue thank
2: you